Thanks for listening to the Highlands Highfields message podcast. Whether you're new to Highlands and are listening for the first time or you want to hear a past message again, welcome. Our heart at Highlands is to lead you into a growing relationship with Jesus so you can have a life full of purpose as you grow in your faith and lead others to Jesus. We hope you enjoy and are inspired by the latest message from one of our communicators. Awesome. Hey church, how are we going this morning? Good. Hey, can we take a second to celebrate the miracle that Jesse experienced in her life? What a great story. How awesome was that? Someone encountered a miracle, they encountered Jesus, and He healed them. That is fantastic. I love it. And I want to honour Jesse. She's one of our youth leaders on a Friday night that takes the time out to uh, lead high schoolers closer to Jesus. And I know over the years, she's had a journey with two kids that didn't know Jesus beforehand, but through the year have found Him, said yes to Him, uh, been transformed. They've even taken the step to be baptised, which is awesome. So she, she's an awesome girl. I just love the, the honesty there and the, the vulnerability to come and say and share that, hey, I have encountered Jesus and I want to share it with people. And you know, that is exactly why we have that praise wall at the back there, because our, your, your testimony, your story of what God has done in your, uh, your life is what edifies and builds up the church. Come on, we need these stories. It's great to sit there and sing, you know, Waymaker, like he's great, that's awesome. But you know, it's so great to be reminded as well and, and see firsthand that, oh, God is a Waymaker because of that story and that story and that story. And God's a healer because of this story and this story and this story. And God's a redeemer because of this story, right? It's our stories that remind us and encourage us and build us up. So I want to encourage you, if you've got a testimony, if you've got a story of, of Jesus in your life, like Jesse's, hey, please share it with us. Write it on that praise uh, wall and stick it up so we can celebrate it together because church is something we should celebrate together. Hey, that's why we gather, right? Well, I'm really excited to be finishing up this series uh, that we've been doing through this month on relationships, right? It's not you, it's me. All about how we take ownership in our relationships, realizing that, hey, they aren't just side benefits to life that we enjoy, but really they're actually gifts from God. God's given us friends, given us spouses, given us people to work with, people surrounding us, and it's actually a ministry. They're the people we are called to reach and influence and lead closer to Jesus. So doing those better is not just a a nice thing. I, I believe it's something that God wants of us. So I'm really excited to finish it off this morning. And and to start off, I want to look at the power of our words in relationships. Because who who knows that words can make or break a relationship, hey? They can make or break friendships, family, yourself even. So I want to start by looking at the book of James, something about the power of words. It says this, Indeed, we all make many mistakes, for if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth, or a small rider makes a huge ship turn wherever it wants to go. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches. But a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. Man, we're going downhill real fast. It is a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. Whoa, like we're starting this morning off strong, right? How encouraging. Like I put it in red just to emphasize the fire part. Like, geez, that's intense, isn't it? But that's the reality of the power of our words is it can build up, it can be great, or man, it can be dangerous as well. Our words have so much power. Like really, it's our words that can shape so much of our relationships, hey? Maybe even further, it's words that 
can shape us. Isn't that right? It's words that have shaped us, words that have built or torn down us. I want you to think for a minute, what are the most powerful words that have been spoken over you? I want you to think back. What words have defined you the most, have shaped you the most? Is it something someone's said to you? Maybe a friend, a partner, maybe when you were a kid, something happened early on? Have we all got something we can all think back and remember? Yeah? Now, well, like the rest of us, it's quite interesting that I think the first thing that comes to mind of words that have shaped us are negative words. Hey, right? Maybe it was words that were spoken to you when you were a kid by a parental figure, a mentor, or a teacher, something that just cut a bit deep. Maybe words that came out during a fight with a friend or a spouse or a family member, and it's just been a label that stuck on you. Words that have cut us down. It's interesting, isn't it, that when we think of that, we remember those moments, right? We remember the negative things. We remember the, the, the labels that have stuck on us. You know, why is it that we naturally lean towards the negative words? Why is it that those are the things that are more hard-hitting, right? Because I'm sure we've had many nice things spoken over us. I'm sure mum said, I love you plenty of times. Yet why is it that we remember, right, that one time someone said like, oh, you're ugly? Or the one time someone said like, oh, you're not actually very good at this. Or like, oh, you eat too loud. Why is it that we remember those things much more than the positive things? It's interesting, isn't it? Why is a no more powerful than a yes? It's true, isn't it? Why is a no more powerful than a yes? Why does it carry more weight in our lives? Why is it the thing that no matter how many yeses there are, the no seems to be heftier? Now, I'm going to speak about an example here in relationships, right? Now, who, who here is married, has a partner, bunch of people, some people? I've seen a lot of married people not putting their hands up. That's, come on, guys. <laughs> but, you know, we all know that we can do a lot of things right, you know, but all of a sudden, if there's something we forget to do, or we can say a lot of compliments, but guys, if we say one wrong thing, if we say that dress isn't flattering, uh-oh, you don't just go back to all the yeses, that no carries weight, doesn't it? It's interesting, right? It's not equal. It's not as simple as an easy mathematical equation, of right? Of I have done more good than bad. Or I gave you more compliments than that one negativity thing that I, you know, pointed out, a bit of feedback I gave you. It seemed to hit a little bit harder, didn't it? Right now, I know for me, I've made many mistakes in this, many, many mistakes. And I've only been married for a few years, <laughs> so I've got plenty more to go. Right? I've made many mistakes of trying to calculate myself out of a mess, right? Who's ever done that before? Uh-oh, right? We're trying to calculate ourselves out of a mess. So for instance, you know, let's pretend that, let's pretend, because obviously I would never do this. Let's pretend that I forgot to buy my wife flowers on our anniversary, right? Let's pretend, because I would never do that. Let's pretend that I, it's all theoretical. Let's pretend that I forgot to do that, right? Now, you know, I, I've been at home on my Saturday and, you know, I've, I've been a good husband. I'm a pretty good house husband. I do the chores, I do the dishes, you know, I hang clothes up, I even use pegs, um, you know, I, I turned the robot vacuum on. How good is that? Thank you, thank you. Right, so I've done, I've done a bunch of things, right? But my wife comes home from work and it's an anniversary and she's like, oh, you didn't get me flowers. Like, that's the one thing I wanted. Now, this is where I go. Now, hold on, because I might have forgotten to get you flowers and that takes off five points. But 
You forgot that I did the washing, so that's a plus one, right? Now, also, added to that, I did put the clothes away. I think that's a plus two, of course. Now, obviously, I also have left my shoes out, which is a recurring problem, so that's another, divide that by five. Um, but, but, no, she, um, I was trying to think of a negative thing my wife did, but I just can't, because she's so perfect, right? So something happened along the way. Um, <laughs> Now, this, is going to take, this could take a little bit, so I prepared this some earlier just to make sure and to explain that if I was to really lay out that, no, actually, you should be thankful I didn't buy you flowers. Really, like if we add it together, no, I'm, I win. <laughs> now, you're all laughing because you're more experienced in marriage than me and you realize that's not going to work. <laughs> Right, it's interesting though, isn't it, that it's not as simple as one plus one, right? We can do a lot of good things, but for some reason, a no or a negative thing or a lack of something carries more weight, right? This is relationships, friendships, work, absolutely everything, isn't it? Some re- and because you know it yourself, the no carries more weight. It's not as simple as just going, well, let's be more emotional or you're too robotic, like whatever it is, is this is actually something, and this is why I want to talk about it this morning, is this is actually not just something to fix, but it's a bias that we all carry, that we all live with in every area of our lives, We all have it. It's called the negativity bias, okay? So this idea that a no weighs more than a yes isn't just something that we struggle with or that, oh, that person's like that or they're more emotional or more robotic, but it's actually a bias that we all carry. We all live with it, this negativity bias. And simply, it's this idea that, okay, when we experience something good, we get the high of it, right? So you wake up in the morning and you get a really good coffee. You're like, oh, awesome. It's high. It's great. You're going to work and you're speeding through all the lights. Great. Getting all the greens on, on not Hume Street, on other streets. This is great. This is going really good. You get to work and the boss gives you a bonus. You experience a high. It goes back down, right? You get a compliment on your shoes and it goes back down, right? That, that's how we experience good news, right? It goes up, and then it goes back down to baseline. But what's interesting is that this negativity bias we have is negativity actually stacks on. It sort of simmers for a bit, right? You wake up in the morning, and you realize there's no coffee, and it sort of drops down a bit. All of a sudden, you're, you're stuck in traffic on Hume Street, and it's, you, it sort of builds up, and it goes down a little bit. You get to work, and the boss says, why are you late? And it sort of goes down a bit, and all of a sudden, all these things, someone says, like, oh, why do you look so tired? Like, oh, I don't, oh no. <laughs> but it, see, it doesn't just go back down and, yep, and that. But when we experience these no's, these negative things, because of our negativity bias that we carry, is they sort of stack on each other. And so that is why when we experience a no in life, when we experience some negative things, it does feel more weightier than the yeses, than the good things we've experienced because they stack on, because they keep stacking in what we do. It's a bias that is shaped in all of us. Like parents, you will get this. I'm sure you've done many great things for your kids. They've got a roof over their head, they had dinner, like you've, you probably bought them a birthday present in the last couple of years, right? Like it's good, right? But all of a sudden, that one time you say no to them, no, you can't wear the superhero costume to school. You are the worst parent in the world. <laughs> like, no, you can't eat ice cream for dinner. Like, you are a monster, <laughs> right? Oh, what about all the other yeses, all the other times you let them eat ice cream? No, nope, that's all they remember. No, you're the worst, right? You might remember when you were a kid, the time mum said no. You're like, oh my goodness, oh, you're the worst. Why are you like this? You never let me do anything. Because the no, it stacks on. It carries a lot more weight, 
But it's in all of our relationships that we do this, that a no hits harder. It's not just those things. Right? With spouses, you get this. Right? I've already shared about my math equation that hasn't got me out of trouble before. <laughs> but even with friends, right? Who remembers when they weren't invited to something? Right? Oh, all well, my friends are hanging out without me. Oh, they're all doing this. Look at that dinner party. Oh, oh I never get invited to these things. I always get excluded. Right? We've all said that. We've all felt that before. We experience the no. And how much then does that no start to guide our relationships? Right? What friendships have you stopped putting effort into because of experiencing one too many no's? What about at work, the, the quiet quitting that we start to do because the boss has rejected us one too many times. We go, I'm just going to stop putting in effort. I'm done. Right? What about spouses? The fights we got loaded in our back pocket waiting. I'm ready. Oh, as soon as this happens, I'm going to say, oh, remember when you did this? Remember that time you said no? Well, boom. Ha ha. Oh no, I'm in trouble now. Right? How much do we let the no guide our relationship, guide our actions in our relationships? See, but when we realize that a bias is there, and this is sort of the good news, is when we realize the bias is there, we do something about it, hey? Because we aren't just guided by our, our emotions. We aren't just going crazy off just the last feeling we had. We sort of realize sometimes, and we might not tell people because it proves them right. We go like, okay, I was acting a little bit crazy. Okay, no, I was being a bit emotional then. Like, no, you don't always hate me. No, you don't always say no. You know, we realize the bias is there. So we go, okay, I've got to do something about it. Now we try and remember. We look back on, okay, no, my friends have been there for me. No, my friends do include me. No, okay, they are good. Right, we emotionally rationalize, go, okay, no, my boss doesn't have it out for me, you know, maybe this isn't the right time, you know, I'm still here for a purpose, I've got to believe I'm working for God as well, so I'm going to put the effort in, right? We're with our spouses, we try and understand where they're coming from. This is like the number one thing of relationship advice, right, is we work at it, we try harder, right? We don't just give up, you guys know that, right? We, we all do that. We don't just go, oh, this is just what it is. No, we work on these things, and when we experience biases or, or, or triggers from the past, right, we go, no, we're going to work through it. We do those things. But where I want to take this today is have you realized that maybe your view or maybe your relationship with God is actually shaped by a no? Just like sometimes we do with our friendships, our marriages, our work people. Have you ever thought, is a no impacting my relationship with God? Is it biasing my relationship with God in the same way that it does in other relationships? See, I believe, I believe it can. I believe it does. You might have experienced a no in your life from God and it stacks and stacks and stacks and maybe you're outwardly not, you know, complaining or doing whatever, you're doing the right things, but inside you have that little voice. Oh, God never does this for me. Oh, what, why is that always happening to that person and not me? Like, oh, well, why at church do they never ask this or say hey to me? You know, we, we have this little voice inside there sometimes that if enough negative things stack up, the bias carries a lot more weight than the yeses we encounter. You know, what is your view of God? What comes to mind when you think of your relationship with Him? What comes to mind when you think of your relationship, even of God with creation? Because again, it can be tainted by that no. Again, because God does say no to us. He's not just a, a reckless, you know, irresponsible father going, yep, absolutely do whatever you want, have all the sugar you want. Like, there's a reason we don't give our kids ice cream at breakfast, right? So the same way, there are things that God says no to. 
You know, I, uh, sometimes, and we think this, and again, it, it sort of builds on this bias. Going, oh, I can't do that because it's a sin. God said no. Like, oh, God, God didn't bless that opportunity. Like, oh, what, what was going on there? No, I didn't receive deliverance. Like, you know, I see Jesse's story and that's cool, but I haven't experienced a healing yet. Why did God say no to me? And yes, what's sort of going on here? And eventually it can start to build and stack. And when that happens, we get a bit of a distorted lens on God and we start to look at who God is based off what we've experienced. We start to view God based off what we're feeling instead of who He actually is, instead of what who God says He is, instead of, again, we, we sing these songs this morning, remembering His promise, looking back on how great our God is. Yet sometimes we're just looking at those little moments and it builds a bias inside of us that, again, it sort of validates. We go, oh, well, that's right, yeah, well, God doesn't ever allow us to do anything fun, right? It's all about rules. God's punishing me. Oh, that's right, they were right when they said that in Sunday school, right? And again, because we experience one thing, we've got this emotion, it it can start to build a bias. It can start to build this negative lens as we look through things. But this is where we, just like our friendships, that we might feel neglected, even though it might not be the truth. Just like our spouse always saying no, we've got to, okay, no, well, that's not true. We've got to make sure that bias isn't shaping our relationship or dictating who God is. Because the fact of the matter is, there are promises God has given us. There is acts that He has completed for us, directions that He has planned for us. Again, we sing those songs declaring who our God is. That's not, like we, we don't have, you know, every week going, okay, what's true today? No, okay, you know what? God's not a way maker in November, so we can't do it then. He's only a way maker in June, July, and February. No, okay. No, there is the truth of who our God is. And this is why we do those things. That's why we share stories, remembering on the yeses, looking back on what our God has done to make sure we aren't being shaped in the now, in the moment, by some negative emotions. But this is something that has been going on forever, always going through, that we sometimes think God is changing, but He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we've got to look going, you know, is my relationship shaped on an actual relationship with God where I know Him, I talk to Him, I, I, I am encountering Him regularly? Or is maybe your relationship with God, you've sort of put Him at a hand's distance, put Him in a box of, well, because this one thing happened and because you said this or I didn't experience this, so therefore that is who you are. You know, I didn't experience healing once, so you aren't a healer. You know, I didn't experience deliverance once, so you aren't a deliverer. You know, I didn't experience favor once, so God, you are stingy. I didn't experience blessing like I thought, so you aren't going to bless me. Is your relationship with God, your identity of God, based on truth and who He is, or is it based on emotion that you've experienced? We can see this from the very beginning, right? On a negativity bias, and it's actually quite interesting. Again, when we think of God's relationship with creation, God's relationship with mankind, right? The first people, well, what did God say to us? How did that relationship start? Because how a relationship starts very much determines how it goes on, It doesn't it? And what do we think of when we think of God's relationship with man? The first thing God said. What's the story we remember? Let's have a look. Genesis 2. The Lord God placed the man in the garden to tend over it. But God warned him, you may freely, uh, freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden except that one. No. If you eat it, you will die. No. Bad. Don't touch it. Right? That's the part we remember, isn't it? We think of Adam and Eve in the garden. That's right. They were told, don't eat that tree. Don't eat that fruit. 
That's the part of the story we remember. Because a no carries more weight than a yes, doesn't it? Because that's the part that we can remember from everywhere. That's the focus, isn't it? And that can actually shape our whole bias of knowing God, is that he put one beautiful tree in the middle of a garden and said, don't touch. Now, someone who has some self-control issues around food, I can relate to that. Like if you put a cake in front of me, I will eat it. I don't care who it's for. I will eat it. (laughs) Right? And you can go like, well, that sounds unfair. Why would he do that? Why would he tempt them and say, right in the middle here, everything you want, but you can't have it. (laughs) Ha ha. Like that sounds mean, doesn't it? Right? Because we get that no bias. And this is the lie of a no. This is the lie that we need to watch out for in our own lives. See, while we are tantalized by this no that we're told we can't have, that we, that we haven't received, that we feel was spoken over us, in doing that, we are forgetting the bountiful of yeses that has been given to us, that we have experienced. And that's our human nature, isn't it? Because again, you see it in kids. Is you, they've got all these toys, great, they're playing with them, but there's one, oh, I can't have that. Well, now that's all I desire. Now that's all I want. Again, it's a, it's a sign that says, do not touch. You go, I never thought about touching it before, but now that is everything I've ever wanted in life since I was a young child, right? It's a part of us. We, we've got to make sure that, again, that we aren't forgetting that human nature, our sinful nature is all about want, want, want. I desire, I need. I've got all these things here, but oh, there's something I can't have. Well, now I want this. Now I need this. And it goes on and on and on and on. That's why in Ephesians, uh, Paul writes to a church, to a bunch of Christians, saying, hey, we've got to make sure that we are in the world, but not of the world. That we are to become like Christ, not like the world. And he tells us, throw off your old sinful nature, your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Come on, don't be deceived into thinking that's now the only thing you want. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. We need to be transformed. But see, that no is deceiving. We forget all the yeses and the joy it brought and go, well, now I want this. Again, well, I, I saw God didn't do that, so now that's all I care about. Same thing, well, God, God said no. Like, that's the start of how, the, how our relationship with him started. He said, no, you can't have this. Why did he tempt them? Why did he test them? Oh my God, all these things. And it, it, it shaped a bias in us. No was not the first thing God said to us. We need to remember and go back while this might hit more, while we might remember this more. Actually, what did God tell us? What did God promise me? What did God say yes to? I'm not going to get distracted by the new shiny toy because I've got plenty over here. Come on, let's have a look at what God said to us first. Genesis 1.28 said, God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it. Rain over the fish in the sea, rain over all the animals. I have given you every plant, every tree, all it's your food. I have given every plant its food, all the wild animals, everything is yours, everything that has life. See, we remember one little no, yet God has given us a billion yeses. He's saying, hey, you should reign, you should multiply, you should govern, you should be in charge, have dominion, have it all. He's given us so much. And then all of a sudden, there's one thing over here that says, oh, but you know, I, you, I don't want you to have that. And we go, oh, I'm bored with these toys. I want this. Right? Same way for, like, again, parents. Like, you don't let your kid run onto the, the highway for fun just because they want to do it. You go, no, it's for your safety. Like, hey, what about all these toys in this house and not getting hit by cars? That looks really cool. And they go, no, all I want is this. That's, how, that's the old life we've got to make sure we're not going to. God's first word was a yes. That is God's heart. But everything, again, we've got to make sure, again, what is the lens we're looking at this through? 
Because, you know, I, I did some research. I looked up some different artwork about the Garden of Eden, right? I did, uh, and we'll, we'll put it on the screen. And what is it that we notice? Again, what shapes our idea of this? And again, we can understand why we think this way. What do we see is, from kids' drawings to more adult drawings, is we can see that the tree that God said no to is in the middle, it's center, it's the best looking thing. Everything around it, ah, it's pretty boring, it's average, right? That's the lie that we've been told that builds a bias in us saying, oh, God put this thing here, don't touch though, and it's all you want. No, when we read Genesis 1.28 and we see God gave us everything, dominion over all life, over all creation, we see that this is not just a story of one amazing tree standing and shining out in the middle of an average garden. No, no, we see that it is a boring apple tree compared to the vast of creation and billions of animals and plant life and fauna and just everything. We're focused on one little note. We give it so much power. We give it so much control when comparatively to what we've been given, comparatively to what God has blessed, comparatively to what God has said, take control, it's nothing. Again, don't let a bias of one note shape the whole story. Do we let a no shape our story? Again, what we haven't experienced from God. One thing that God didn't say yes to. And we forget all the blessings. We forget all the permission, all the promises, all the authority we've been given. And we go, oh, but this one thing, that's why I'm, I'm salty now. Well, that's why I'm bitter now. Well, that's why I don't trust people now. That's why I don't reach out first anymore. And there's God going, what about all this? What about all this? Come on, church, lift your eyes. It's time to look up. It's time to be reminded of the truth, reminded of the authority you carry, of the blessing you've been given. It's time to start again and go, actually, you know what, God? My, my vision of you, of, of who I see you to be, the identity of God that I carry has been skewed. Because that's the enemy's plan. That's what the devil does. We've got to remember, we, we, we are fighting a battle. There is someone trying to pull you away from God, trying to distract you. Because again, that's the story, isn't it? The devil was there to tempt Adam and Eve, saying, oh, did God really say you can't eat from this amazing tree, the best tree, this one thing? You know, the trick is, and this is what the enemy, the devil has always been about, is he's not just trying to, he's not trying to take your eye off what God has given you. He's trying to take your eye off who God is. He's trying to distract you and tell you differently as to who God is. It's not about just, oh, did he say that you can't eat this? No, no, the trick was to change God's identity. The trick was to masquerade it. Going, oh, oh God's holding out on you. That's who he is. Oh, God's tempting you. That's who he is. No, he doesn't like you. He doesn't trust you. That's who he is. It's an incorrect view of God. But then it skews how we talk to God. It skews how we talk to others. It skews how we interact with Him in our lives. Because we let someone else define who God is. We let someone else, the enemy, the devil, a negative emotion, tell us who God is. Come on, I'm not going to the Apple store to ask them if I should buy an Android phone. I know what they're going to say, right? I'm not going to go to that gym and be like, oh, what's the negatives of CrossFit? <laughs> like, you're not going to hear it. We've got to go to the source. We've got to go back. And no matter what your bias has been, no matter what your experience has been, your emotions are telling you, God, who are you? 
God, what are you speaking over my life? God, what have you promised me? God, what am I actually experiencing? We need to go back to the source, to the Word of God, to be reminded of our Saviour, to be reminded of who our God is. That's why we share stories. It reminds us of God's faithfulness. There's a reason we stand and sing and get ourselves in a position of praise and a posture to go, God, I'm here to worship you because these lyrics, these songs, these prayers remind us of the Word of God, the truth of God. Even if I'm not feeling it, you're still working. Right? We sung that half an hour ago, didn't we? Even if I don't see it, you're moving. Yeah. Hebrews 4.12 tells us the Word of God is alive and powerful. Come on, if you want to know what sort of friend you should be, if you want to know what sort of spouse or husband or wife you should be or co-worker or boss or, or, or person living in a neighborhood, you want to know what sort of person you should be, Go back to the Word of God. Go back to what God says and check and find out and check, oh, actually, I've been living under a bias. Actually, my view has been skewed. Actually, I've been being fed lies by someone else. The Word of God, when it's talked about in the Bible, there's sort of two different translations, words, origins that we used, right? We've got the Logos Word of God, which is the written Word of God. And sometimes the Word of God means the Rema Word of God, which means the spoken Word. Word of God. Two very important things, but these are the two words that we go back to, right? So how do we discover who God is? We can discover who He is through His written Word, right? The Logos Word, the Bible. Come on, we read through these stories from Genesis through to Revelations. We see how God interacted with His people. We see how God redeemed His people. We see how God saved His people. I love reading the Old Testament because I see that God is ridiculously biased towards His people. The victories and battles that the Israelites faced that they just absolutely smashed their enemy because God was biased towards them. When I read those stories, that's what I get, that God is biased towards His people. And then I remember, hold on, I've been adopted into God's family. Through Jesus' death, I am a child, a son of God. So therefore, those victories that I read about, I can see God saying that for my life as well. But we get that through reading it, through seeing it, through, wow, God, I see you moving in that situation and I can see how that could, what that could mean for me. We're gonna get rid of this lie that the Bible is a dreary old read. I know it's small text. I know there's a lot of random numbers in there and they sometimes talk about just names for a while. I give you a tip, don't start in Leviticus. <laughs> start somewhere good. Find a translation that works for you. That's why there's a billion of them. Because people have gone, how do I make this easier for certain people to read? Find one. I love using the New Living Translation. You might prefer the message, the NIV. It doesn't matter. Just find a way that you can start to read the Scripture and go, I understand what God is doing. I can see the narrative from the beginning to the end of what God does, of who God is, of what His character is. It is God speaking, God revealing. When we said the Word of God is alive and powerful. It's not just dead words on a page. God is speaking through it. Secondly, we've got the Rema Word of God, that He is speaking to you personally. Come on, we have a relationship with Him. We should have a relationship with God. He's not distant. That's a lie. It's not for other people. That's a lie. No, no, Jesus Himself said, John 14, says, when the Father sends the Holy Spirit, after Jesus leaves, when He died and rose again, He didn't leave us empty-handed. He will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I've told you. The Holy Spirit will remind us when we're getting distracted 
by the shiny toy over here. The Holy Spirit reminds us, hey, remember what I've promised you. Remember what I've said yes to. Remember where I've called you. Come on, let's go. Hey, decision today? No, go back over here. Decision today? How about we go over here? The Holy Spirit is there to speak to us, to remind us, to help us. God is not just distant that we encounter on a Sunday when we read our Bible. The Holy Spirit should be in our lives, us talking with Him, feeling that nudge, feeling that pull constantly of Him saying, hey, this is where I'm calling you. This is who I'm calling you to be. When you've got that fight loaded in your back pocket, the Holy Spirit's there to say, come on, that's not who I'm calling you to be. That's not how I'm calling you to love. Come on, remember. Remember who I am. Remember who God is. Come on, if you want to experience transformation in your life, if you want to be changed from the inside out, where you're not being led on your impulses, your negative emotions, right? Remembering those past hurts and you can't get through them. That transformation is not going to take place outside of His Word. You can try and it's probably going to take a lot of counseling and a lot of money. The Holy Spirit is there to help Don't do it apart from God when He is there to help transform us. It says that He is here to help us to transform us. Don't do it apart from God. Come on, what does your time with God look like? How much time do you spend with Him? How often do you pray? How many daily decisions do you invite God into? Do you sit and wait for Him to bring a peace or a feeling towards daily actions before you say that thing? Is it, okay, God, hold on, no, can you remind me of your goodness? Can you remind me of your faithfulness? Can you remind me of a truth or a yes right now while I'm really struggling with this no that I've encountered? We've got to wait on Him, make space for God to reveal who He is. Because when we do, I guarantee God will remind you of the yeses. He will show you again what He has said to multiply, to bless, to govern, to rule. Where He said, I've given you that. And when we remember that, we can finally step out in that authority and go, okay, I am going to start acting like that. I am going to start talking like this. I am going to start treating people this way. God, I'm going to start interacting with you like a loving father because that's who you are. I'm going to start acting like you, like someone who is happy and willing to bless me because I am your child and a father loves to give his children good gifts. I'm going to remember that and act like that and pray like that. But it means we go back to the source. It means renewing our minds on who God is, renewing our minds on what He has said, what He has promised. Come on, don't go back to the the no. Don't let it give more weight than the yes. We work on the bias in every other relationship we have. Let's make sure we are removing this bias in our relationship with God. Because that's how we find freedom. Freedom isn't, oh, I can't touch this one thing. Freedom is, wow, I've got all this over here. I can actually do something with it. Because God has called us. God has called you to make a difference in the world. He says, go out into the world, make disciples, make a difference, lead people to Jesus. You don't need to go overseas to find it. You don't need to move away to discover it. God has given you your ministry and your family, in your friendships, in your workplace, in your neighborhoods, in your community. And again, you can try and do that on your own, but man, that sounds tough. When there is a God who is willing and keen and eager to walk alongside us and give us the strength, give us the humility, give us the heart change to be better, 
to be the best of friends, to be the, the best husband, the best wife, the best employee, the best boss, because He is helping us become more like Him. The Him that is real and true, not skewed, not an identity issue, not changing. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. His yes will always be greater. Come on, are you fixated on his yes or his no? Start to change and you'll see a difference made in this world. You'll see a difference made in your world. Come on, it's time to know God for who he really is. Let's spend a moment with him in prayer. Why don't we close our eyes? God, I thank you so much that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. You are not changing. And though we might have experienced some negative emotions, we might have experienced some problems in the past, even currently. We're struggling, we're uncertain. We've had people speaking words over us. We feel the enemy trying to distract us from who you are, God. Come on, God, I pray right now that we can just come to you and say, God, help me lift my eyes. Help me change my bias. Help me look towards you and remember all the authority you've given me, all the promises you've given me, all the blessings in my life you've given me. Lord, let me live from that, live from an abundance of joy, an abundance of prosperity, God, because you have blessed me with much. I'm not even going to be distracted by the no anymore. I'm not going to be distracted by what the world is offering while you were telling me, no, God, it's for my safety. It's because you love me. Come on, God, right now, if we're being led by a no, our friendships, our relationships, even with you, God, if we've let that skew us right now, we just come to you and say, God, create in me a clean heart. Create in me a new, renewed mind. Help me go back to you, Jesus, to look for who you are, for what you say, the promises that you've spoken over my life, over my family, over everyone. Not that we are led by you, Lord, not distracted by the world, not distracted by other things. Lord, help us to be reminded, come on, of your goodness. And right now as we're praying, if, if you feel you've been led astray, if you feel that your relationship with God has been at a distance because of some no's you've experienced, Come on, the greatest yes that he has for us is that he died on the cross for us so we could live again. So we aren't led by our, our sinful human nature of the want, 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 always moving to the next thing. But these promises that he has for us are right here, right now. Are you gonna say, God, I wanna know you? You're gonna say, God, I'm gonna start living for you. God, I'm gonna actually take these yeses that you've given me. It takes a step of faith to go, God, I want you. And it's a prayer we all have to pray at some point in our lives saying, Jesus, I'm living for you now. I want you now. So if you haven't prayed that prayer before or you feel there's distance between you and God, why not have a moment of reconciliation with him right now and saying, God, I wanna get to know the real you. Not my idea of you, not the world's idea of you. God, can I meet you for who you really are? If you need to say that prayer to Jesus right now, I wanna pray with you and for you. I want you to take a step of faith. While every eye is closed, to just raise your hand saying, Jesus, I want you. I want to know the real you. Come on, who needs to come back, come closer to Jesus right now between you and him? Is there anyone who needs to make that prayer? Come on, I see that hand over there. That, that, fantastic. Come on, is there anyone else? Man, that's awesome. That is great. Well, we're so excited for you to make this decision. Come on, can we celebrate, church, that someone is saying yes to Jesus, saying, I want to come back to here. Maybe you didn't feel comfortable to put your hand up, and that's okay. I'm going to lead you in a prayer right now that I encourage you to pray at some point between you and God, because He's ready to reveal Himself to you. God, thank you so much that you died for me, that you love me, that with all my faults and mistakes, you see me as worthy.
God, reveal to me your love, your plan. Help me to find out and discover who you really are. That my relationship with you is not based on third-party information. No, no, but it is through your word, through who you are. That as I read the Bible, as I start to pray and talk to you, that I discover who you really are. I thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing in your name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the Highlands Highfields Message Podcast. We hope you feel encouraged to take these words with you to know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and to make a difference. If you feel moved by today's message and want to connect with us, we'd love to hear from you. You can reach us at highlands.highfields on Facebook or Instagram or head to highlandschurch.org.au for more resources and information. Be sure to follow the Highlands Highfields Message Podcast on your preferred platform to stay up to date with our latest message. We hope to see you in person soon. 